Welcome back to the PAL Podcast. Today we're going to talk about stress with Laura Vandenberg. Listen in and I hope you enjoy. Hi Laura, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Jack? Doing well, you know, surviving the pandemic at home. A lot of students have dealt with a lot of stress, especially during this time. I mean, it's very important to control stress. Like, how do we control stress to help our mind and our bodies relax? It's such a good question. There's no doubt that there's an increase in stress that students and people are experiencing. First, I think it's really important, Jack, that we remember that stress is a natural human experience and that our bodies and our brains were made to manage stress. That's why we are alive as a human species. And so we have these brains that are capable in our central and peripheral nervous systems to they are capable of responding to stressors in our environment and they're designed to respond to acute stressors or stressors that are short and intense Um, but what we are experiencing now is not necessarily an acute stressor how does that stressor feel for you of the pandemic well i mean i think it all comes down to really how each individual controls it what are they doing to keep themselves occupied how are they doing in school how are they keeping up on assignments to work with that type of situation where everything that you're used to doing separate is now together the lines are blurred right between social and work we're using a device that maybe we used for work that used to mark when the stressors ended you could go physically somewhere and experience a change of location and so even the trigger of like oh i'm going to the gym i'm gonna go and relax and it's separate from my schoolwork, it's separate from my social life you no longer have that geographic marker so now everything is compressed our social lives our work lives are taking place in one geographic location and not just in a overwhelming from you know eight to four nine to five sort of way students are saying that this feels like everything is blurring together and that in and of itself is a new stressor and it doesn't end because you are near these devices that are connecting you socially and connecting you um, for your work all day and in some cases all night. Usually when you were to go to school, you're going to different classes. You're going, you're walking, you're driving, you're getting away and you're listening to something. You're listening to music that calms your nerves. Instead, you're really focused on your social life, work, and your family time. And it's all combined in your starting to really think about, is this a lot? You know, this is all going to change in the future. It's all going to be technology. Well, this is a glimpse if it was just all technology, besides the fact that we would go out, you know, get groceries and be safe. I think for most people, this shift is monumental. Um, Even for online learners, people who have done online and distance learning, this is still a very different experience because they cannot physically go to the places that structured their days. And because it is so different for us, we have not been able to adjust as quickly as we probably would like, right? Most people that I talk to are experiencing 
ongoing sleep disturbances, <laughs> like nightmares or talking in their sleep or um, unable to sleep. Most people are experiencing anxiety or the characteristics of anxiety in the sense of a physiological response. So physiological means um, the central nervous system or your brain is talking to your peripheral nervous system and sending messages like feeling sweaty, feeling um, your heart rate go up, feeling your chest tighten. Um, people have said to me, I can't tell if I have COVID or if I have anxiety because <laughs> I can't breathe, right? Like it's this, this overwhelming feeling of compression and anxiety responses have a cognitive response, which means a thinking response. And that's where you start to think, am I safe? Am I okay? And this questioning of the things we took for granted before of your basic safety and your basic ability to be okay is now called into question. And then there is the motoric response or what you do physically in response to the anxiety. Um, some people like jiggle a leg or they, ah, here's a, here's a good one, right? I've heard people clenching their jaw or um, the TMJ or like nighttime grinding of their teeth and waking up in the morning and saying like, my jaw is so sore or the furring of the brow, some sort of motor response in your physical being that is part of the anxiety response. Yeah, and you talked about the thinking of kind of what we're doing next. How much does stress have an impact on the brain? Tremendously, it changes everything in the brain. So interest changes everything in the brain. Stress and anxiety change everything in the brain. And so we should remember that stress in its lower amounts actually has a direct and positive relationship to performance. More stress, better performance. I know that doesn't sound right right now, <laughs> but it's true in tests that if we heighten the stress, we actually perform better. We are faster, we are more accurate, and we're more engaged. Those are the things that get better when we have more stress. But then there's what we call the cognitive switch point. Um, and so if there is too much stress for too long of a time, or if the uh, stress over a short amount of time is too high and your system does not feel it can manage that stress, you don't have the coping skills to manage that stress, you switch from that linear response to stress being better performance and we go into a limbic response we talked about really you know today and how everyone's online and going to school online how does using technology really stress people out well remember that any new stressor in the environment at first is interpreted by the brain as stress right so even if it's a good stressor like a surprise party that still is stressful for the nervous system so even though we're we have these experiences that could be um, prima facie positive they are new for the nervous system and they're introducing stress that the nervous system needs to handle that's the first piece is that we have to remember that all of this newness in and of itself is is harder to manage than what we had habituated to before. Always here 
and it never goes away when you're connected to your online coursework and you're connected to your friends through your devices. It's all, that stressor is always there and it's sometimes, the technology is so small it fits in our pocket, right? Like we like stick it in our pocket and we wear it on our belt, we hold it in our hand, even if we were to physically remove ourselves. So I would really recommend for all of us, especially students, to take technology breaks. Um, turn off the apps and notifications and really do something that is wholly different for your central and peripheral nervous system. So for some people that means like a hot shower, a bath, um, exercising, reading a book, something totally different where you are in a different state of mind. And exercise is the great equalizer. When we increase our heart rate, when we increase our aerobic and anaerobic activity, our body responds in a positive way and it actually re releases these neurochemicals in the brain that help us to respond to stress both in the short term and in the long term. So people will exercise and perform better on cognitive exercises. So they'll physically exercise and do better with thinking. They'll exercise and be able to manage their emotions better so their response to stressors better. I cannot say enough how important exercise is. Yeah, definitely. Exercise is everything. You get your body in shape, you get your mind in shape. There is so much great research coming out now about mindfulness and meditation. If you think about meditation and you think about mindfulness, most of the practices, or many of them, involve regulating your breathing. And that speaks to the physiological response, right? Once you regulate your breathing, your heart rate responds. And you tend to have a slowed heart rate or a more rhythmic, more centered heart rate. Once you focus in mindfulness and meditation on whatever the focus of the practice is, your thinking or your cognitive response shifts. So you're able to have thoughts that aren't about stress. And then when you're still, or if you're doing like a walking meditation, you are focusing that motoric response in a way that is also positive. I know actually I have had a lot of trouble trying to relax and meditation a couple times have helped me. So it's great to kind of look at that in a way of that's a technique of taking a break as well is doing meditation and you can look at rick hansen he talks about the neuroplasticity of the brain uh during meditation he's a great and he has some guided meditations but his lectures are super fun um, and also tara brock her website so tarabrock.com t-a-r-a-b-r-a-c-h and i link to it in the mind map she has put all of her resources for free. So meditation's going back years and years and years, and they are phenomenal. And you mentioned the mind map. For those who don't know what the mind map is, can you explain a little bit what that is? Yeah, so in our transition to online learning for our students, we have had to shift all of our academic and um, other resources, including our um, student affairs resources, into virtual locations. So again, the physical structures that students once had, like buildings, departments, people, and physical handouts or resources are now obsolete. So we've shifted all of our academic and student affairs resources to online locations. Many students are saying that it's hard to manage all of this new um, 
sort of disparate information. It comes in over email, it's on different websites, it's on different learning management systems or on different student information systems. And how do I remember if someone told me that I could do this one thing? How do I remember where that came? Did it come in an email? Was it on a website? Where, where do I find it? So we took all of that information, we made a mind map, and we linked each and every component of the mind map, so each and every student resource, to the location. So if you look at the mind map, all you have to find is what you want and click on it and you're done. No more searching email, no more searching websites, no more searching learning management systems or student information systems. And one last question for you before I let you go. How can we help students eliminate stress and where can students go for support? We can't eliminate stress, Jack. You know it. I, I, love, I love the tantalizing question. Um, and we wouldn't want to eliminate stress because then we wouldn't be human. <laughs> um, so I would say reduce the stressors that are negative. Identify them first and control the things you can control because some of the things you can't control, right? Um, so if you identify one that you can't control, like I can't control that I can't go to the grocery store or when I go that it's a hair-raising experience. So I have to prepare myself for what I will expect when I go there. And I have to develop coping strategies for when I go there. Like when I go there, I'm gonna be intentional about, uh, intentional about what I touch. I'm gonna be intentional about what I don't touch. <laughs> I'm gonna be intentional about wearing a mask, distancing myself socially from people, and when I get home, I'm gonna take precautions to wash the things I can wash, especially washing my hands. Um, so those are things I can control in the face of the things that I can't control. Um, so I would say watch yourself to figure out what you can and can't control, develop positive coping in response to it, and if you need help, reach out for help. So your friends are available. Your, for some people, parents are a source of support or siblings are a source of support. On the mind map, there's a counselor on call at Curry. You can email. I've also put in um, resources um, to reduce stress for exercising, for mindfulness. If I had a single piece of advice to give, it would be advice I'd give to myself. Not be surprised if you find yourself doing things or responding in ways that you wouldn't have anticipated because we're experiencing the sort of stress that we've never experienced before. So be kind to yourself. Um, find what stress is good for you. Find what stress is, is too much for you and control the things you can control in the ways that are best for you. Hey, thanks for listening. If you have any questions about stress, feel free to email us at centerworkers at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Right back here for another PAL podcast.